I don't ever remember lying in bed as a kid and being like, oh god, I hope a mummy doesn't come out and get me, you know? But like all the other classic monsters, like no, yeah, no more or less plausible. <laughs> well, true, I I know, but like it's see if they felt like more of a threat to me. Like the mummy never felt like a threat. It's like oh, I'm not going to Egypt, so yeah. Also, I mean, they have bandages. Like, how scared are you of someone? They're with already bandages? hurt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> The, the undead angle is kind of scary, but they also seem like they move really slowly and kind of shuffle because they got all those bandages weighing them down and tying up their movement. Yeah. It's like a Romero zombie, but there's only one of them, and it's covered in gauze. Yeah. Yeah, it's really... Yeah, the fact that it looks like they robbed a Walgreens um, <laughs> <laughs> really takes the scare factor away. A teen prank gone wrong. <laughs> You're supposed to wrap the tree, guys. Listeners, welcome to our fourth episode of uh, free po- of this season of Free Podcast. Blech. I'm your co-host Rob, joined as always by my good friends Joe and Duff. I want you to start melting down like broadcasters do when you buff a take. <laughs> I, I just want you to start screaming like O'Reilly or something, or the Winnebago man. And I don't, you know, wasn't the, it uh, Lawrence O'Donnell who was flipping out that they were hammering three floors yes. up? So, guys, we're continuing our season on our monster rehash season. This is our fourth episode, our planned final episode. It's 1999. We it's need to do now. one more to complete the pentagram. Yes. <laughs> we are talking about The Mummy, which uh, listeners who have listened to our previous shows, you guys had not seen before before, before this week. I still haven't seen it, but I'll just pretend. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right. So we're going to dive in that. Before we do, though. I, I I forgot one week and I kind of had a tack and on at the end last week. I want to thank our sponsor, PizzaMath.FYI, <laughs> for sponsoring the Monster Rehash season. I uh, ever not never know how much pizza to order. Simply go to PizzaMath.FYI. That's PizzaMath.FYI. All right, guys. So, the Mummy, 1999. We this is this is a a, a long ways from Dracula in some ways, at least from Hollywood standpoint. This is about three weeks before the phantom menace comes out yeah yeah i believe it's uh early may of uh 1999 yeah that's a good point so we got to jump into what we always do to do the old the old plot synopsis oh boy guys i know i say this every time this is i'm gonna i'm gonna summarize this one real quick because i don't trying to find an old town yeah yeah reasons there might be treasure there or something we similar similar to Dracula, we have a prologue, and uh, you know we're back in ancient Egypt, and there's a uh, Imhotep. 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 <laughs> he's 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 banging, he's banging a mistress of the pharaohs. Shouldn't do that. They know because they do the old classic trick of paint the woman all in gold, so you know when she's been touched. <laughs> every every guy know what knows what we're talking about. <laughs> It's the Egyptian uh, chastity belt. Yep. So uh, obviously uh, he's in trouble. So uh, him and his mistress and the they're murdered, they're killed and mummified. He's mummified in the worst way possible, in that they just put a bunch of scarabs in his sarcophagus, and they just eat him alive over time forever. It's not you're not really being mummified then. Well, being is eaten. it isn't that he was actually living forever? Like I think. Was that part of it? Yeah, yeah. it's it's whatever. So then, <laughs> so then we've we already to, thought about it more than they did. We get to 1926, and we got Brendan Fraser. Uh, we got him as as Rick Rick O'Connell. Another great name, Rick O'Connell. Right, strong, great name, strong name, strong hero. It's a name. 90s hero name. Yes, and. Uh, he kind of discovers uh, this ancient city, and then he gets thrown in jail. And then we see uh, we meet our other main characters, Evelyn, um, played by I guess. It, I guys, how do I? Is it Rachel Wise? Is that how yeah. I'm supposed to say? Okay, yeah. God, I was certain I was going to say that. Well, wrong. there's no way to find out at it. No, that's true. Uh, I asking you guys live. Um, Wise. And we've got she's a librarian, very proudly, 
And uh, <laughs> oh, really? I didn't catch that. <laughs> and she's got a brother, and they essentially uh, find a little puzzle piece, a key, and then they go and they go and and get Rick, and they make a deal with him. And essentially, there's these, this group that's created to go find the city, but also at the same time, we cannot forget maybe my favorite character in the movie. We have Benny, who is like the cowardly bad guy. He, uh, he, he is the Egyptian, or is he Egyptian? I don't well, know. Well, that's he's a topic a vaguely I want to talk ethnic, about. Like Borat prototype. Yes, yeah, and he is. He was. He was with Rick when he discovered the city, and he's since. Uh, he takes money. He takes some money and runs. He is in. We'll talk about Benny more. I'm sure. Uh, so he gets a, a team of Americans, and they're also going to the city. They have this like race to the city. They open up the tombs. She reads from the Book of the Dead. Everything goes right. Great idea. The, the has, mummy has comes that up. ever worked out well for <laughs> yeah. anyone? Has has anyone ever read from an old book, the Book of the Dead, that was yeah. locked, and been like, "Oh, I'm so glad I read that." So uh, the mummy now comes back. He is serious, and he starts like the plagues start happening all over Egypt and he wants he wants Evelyn in place of his bride he's in love with her so Pull, he ki- pulls a vertigo yeah so he kidnaps her and then he's going to like do some ceremony with her but luckily Rick shows up and is able to stop the whole thing and Evelyn and Rick live happily ever after I know I'm like going through a lot there but I it I, doesn't really matter I mean the last hour of this movie is you know, it, it does not matter. It's all fight scenes and chases. Yep. And I'm not even criticizing it by saying, I'm seeing like, I'm actually seeing it in a good way. Uh, Cause it's just, it's just a fun time. Do you, do you know what you need to know? The mummy is bad. That's the mummy what... is bad. And, but he's back. <laughs> and, and Rick and Evelyn are a fun team and they're going to try to stop them. And we're going to have a good time doing it. Yeah. And that's what happens. So there we go. Let's jump in to anything that we probably want to talk about in 1999. We got to talk about the effects because this is like a, you know, this could be a precarious time for effects in 1999 for movies. And, 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 and I say that and that sometimes they're really good, like The Matrix is 99, and sometimes um, they're really bad. What do you think on this one? So I think that overall, I think this movie looks fantastic. Yeah, I, I, would, um, I would agree. And the computer effects, uh, I think for the time, they were pretty decent. The problem is that when they're right against each other, it looks weird to me. What do you mean when you mean when you say that? When you have like a CGI mummy against this gorgeous old timey set. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, it, I, I, I mean, as I watch this movie, and I'm like, damn, this is 20 plus years old. You know, I feel like, I feel like, you know, you can see the seams, but it's not distracting. No, I, I still think it's a good time, and I think for, maybe I'm being a little too harsh. I think at the time they were very good CGI effects. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Joe, what do you think? Uh, I think it looks like garbage. <laughs> Wow, uh, I think that it makes like the mistake that most of the movies made in that era, and I think also the the reason why like the Marvel movies and movies like that are going to age really badly is is there's no blending of CGI with practical effects. Like it's all CGI uh, in in most cases. Like there is there is there any significant moment of like a monster or uh, uh, when a, a the stunt uh, or anything that isn't in CGI? the in the last act of the movie, we see some, like, mummy minions, like, attack Brendan Fraser and whatnot, and those are dudes in costumes. That's yeah. And, yeah. Okay, and honestly, I liked how those dudes looked better. Me too. Yeah, Me too. well, for sure. And, when and, he's and, swinging the sword around? Yeah. Yeah. Probably because they're like, oh, it's too tough to do CGI, you know, interacting with a real person, which, mm-hmm. you know, fair. So they're like, let's just put some bandages on these guys. Yeah, I, I think that movies like that almost always age very poorly and i guess i would I, the movie the the classic movie to compare it to is jurassic park as the the model for that decade of okay there's some things that we have to do with cgi mm-hmm. and those of course are the the parts that age the most poorly in that movie but on the other hand some of the stuff they do with it 
you, like have you to. can't build a giant brontosaurus or whatever that dinosaur is at the beginning right uh the raptors running around in the kitchen like I, I could see why you can't really do that any other way but then then the t-rex paw like going into the mud or the head of it crashing into the car like that you could do with robotics and stuff so and it looks way better so because the whole movie isn't that dated cgi like hammering into you or, or like the phantom menace which comes out i think you guys mentioned a few weeks later yeah uh it's too much of it it's all that there is so it's you can't it, it's not balanced out by anything that has weight literally anything that's real and i, yeah, I think I, and, and and naturally the one you'd compare this to is indiana jones movies right yeah sure which yeah. are are i'm not saying it's fair to compare it but like indiana jones is those well the good ones are significantly older than this movie and they get to manage to play around in the same setting much more effectively although to be fair indiana jones is mostly just fighting other people and that yeah that might be why but but I still think, I, you know i, I it, the cgi really sucks i think i think i i mean i i think that's a i agree somewhat with that take but i do think that like all the sets and the backgrounds and the costumes look fantastic yeah yeah and, what, and, what? and i would say to finish my point I, it's probably not fair of me to say, oh, they should have done more practical stuff and then not point out, like, what they should have done. But like, like those scarabs, for example, seems like something that they could have done, at least played around with practical effects a little bit more than they did, just as an example. All right, that's all I'll say about it. I, I will say that I have, like, a weird – I have a weird um, relationship with this movie. And that I – like, it came out – this is, like, a movie that came out kind of, t- like – we're a little too old for, for this movie was not aimed at us when it came out, right? We're like 16 or 17. I probably saw us when I was 17 or 18. Um, this is more like, I'd say like 10 to 12. Right. Is the yeah. Sweet spot for this. Yeah. And, and, and so like when it first came out, I think I watched it and I was like, uh, kid stuff. Uh. And then I, and then I watched it a year ago again because I was in a trivia contest with some, uh, uh, friends of the show minute by minute people and George and Liz and, and Jonathan and the mummy was one of the two movies we had to answer trivia contests to. And I had to watch and we won by the way. Uh, and I had to watch this and, and, you know, pretty closely and then watching it again for this, I was like, you know what? This is fun. And I, it's a movie that I look forward to showing to my son. Cause like it does like set itself like firmly into like there's scary bugs and there's like violence and there's a mummy, but there's like, it's pretty clean fun all around. Yeah, I I thought it was a very fun movie. Uh, it's I, I will say that even though we said the plot is garbage, it doesn't. It tries to at least play by the rules it sets. It doesn't. Yeah. You know, I don't think it does. It doesn't cheat. It's not. It doesn't take cheap shots. Uh, you know, it's. I think I would say it's poor man's Indiana Jones, and I mean that as a compliment. It, yeah, I would say it's better than some Indiana Jones movies. That is true. Uh, <laughs> let's let's call this the third best Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I'd say it's the third best Indiana Jones movie. Um, it's uh, it it's and I think also coming off like it's you know I think we need to talk about this in the context of the season, right? This monster rehash that happened in the '90s, and I know we're going to get into the production background of this, which is tied very closely to Dracula in some ways. But, like, Dracula, you know, does something. We loved it. And then we watched Frankenstein and and Wolf, and they, like, you know, they took the idea of, like, well, we're going to make an adult monster movie. But they, like, went – they forgot the fun. Yeah. And it was just refreshing after watching, like, how serious those two movies were in a lot of ways in, like, attempt to be, like, adult and, and, and go to, like, this. It's like, hey, you know what this movie's about? This yeah. movie's about a mummy. <laughs> yeah. I, whereas Coppola realized that he's like, "Look, this this is just kind of silly, fun folklore, so I'm going to amp it up." And then Kenneth Branagh and <laughs> Mike Nichols did their thing. Did their like, let's do a very serious, like, yeah. you know, adult adaptation of this story. Yeah. Um. So I find that interesting. Um. Yeah. It's it's um. And I so do. I, I do find it interesting as well that this was right around the time of the Phantom Menace. And I wonder, because this movie was a big hit. It was, mm-hmm. uh, what was the number, 
number eight movie of that year, 1999, it beat out uh, Runaway Bride and The Blair Witch Project. Uh, yeah. Notting Hill. In uh, a Bond movie. Yeah, this beat a Bond movie, Wild Wild West. <laughs> yeah, American Pie. Bigger yeah. movie than American Pie. So, and all the movies, um, there's like from like five to eight or so, are kind of the same. So like The Matrix uh disney's tarzan big daddy <laughs> and the mummy they all made within like 15 million of each other so for for let's for our intents and purposes let's say that all those are about the same okay so yeah this this was a big hit and i wonder were people i mean were people just trying to scratch that star wars itch early <laughs> Did they did they get Star Wars on the brain? And this movie kind of is aimed at the same audience. It has that kind of like, oh, gee whiz, let's have some fun feel. That's a good question. Um, maybe. Also, I feel like a lot of the audience that this is aiming towards gets is kind of gone later on because of superhero movies. Uh, maybe. And and so 1989 were sort of like pre superhero movies, um, and in a weird way, like about a few weeks pre Star Wars movies, and I do think there was probably a space in the industry or in theaters for sort of like what's like a fun movie for teenage kids or or younger or for families to go to that's sort of like not Disney, right? This isn't mm-hmm. a Disney movie, but. Like sort of, you know, like action adventure is like a really fun genre when it's done well. And it, it's kind of weird to me how often you don't see that type of movie as much. I feel like I, I think you still see it just as much as you used to. Um, I think it's, uh, I, it's just that The Rock is in all of them. I was going to say oh, uh, yeah. those new Jumanji movies. Yeah, are, perfect. Ex- that's what I was thinking, too. Are very much in this vein where they know what they are, but... Uh, they're very fun (laughs) yeah that's a good point yeah this is sort of which oddly enough the rock his first starring role is in scorpion king which is a spinoff of the mummy yeah i think that they're they're still out there but we just don't notice them as much because like not to say that they're small movies but they're like movies like jumanji they're marketed pretty heavily but it's not like completely in your face can't avoid it like level that the marvel movies are mm-hmm. so just comparatively speaking it seems like they're on a lower profile or well, in actuality they're on a massive profile it's just that the the superhero movies now are just at a whole other level and i do believe that at least the first jumanji was kind of purposefully opened up against uh star one of the star wars the the robin williams jumanji or no, the, the the rock the jumanji? first the the welcome to the jungle jumanji okay i feel like they they put that out towards the end of the year to go up against uh, Force Awakens, and it ended up doing pretty well for itself. Oh, yeah. That's a movie that is much better than I thought it would be. I put it on on a lark and was like, oh, wow. Yeah, the Ju- both Jumanji, Jumanji and the sequel are, I mean, you know, it's all, I mean, 90% of it is get the most charismatic stars, but I'm here for it. That works, though. It works. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, there's there's a reason why movie stars are a thing. Yeah. Like, it's sometimes like, oh, Jack Black's funny and The Rock's charismatic. And and I forgot, like, when I rewatched The Mummy, I was like, man, Brendan Fraser, like, was really charismatic. I mean, maybe, you know, I just, like, his, like, this, this yeah. star turn works really well for him. It's not a star turn. He had been George the Jungle, which was a huge hit as well. But, I mean, like, this is the man. <laughs> this was uh, yeah. probably his peak like after this is when he kind of then he can command uh, some salary um, yeah I think Brendan Fraser is very good in this um, who else I thought was good uh, I had always kind of thought of Rachel Weiss as a very like you know just kind of plays like the like Jennifer Connelly type roles where difficult always, roles yeah but she's she was great in this she was fun and energetic and she's a strong female protagonist yeah it seems like fun although uh reading about like some of the production of this movie it might not have been that much fun because it was so damn hot (laughs) and they had to like have like special drinks they had to drink every few hours and apparently brendan Fraser almost died on that scene where they hang him yeah well 
So, yeah, there's some very dramatic hanging <laughs> in this movie. <laughs> sure is. And uh, some actually pretty hardcore death for a PG-13 movie at the time. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing that's weird about the rating is, like, I, I honestly don't think there's a single, like, language, sex, any of that stuff. I mean, I guess, like, a little bit at the beginning, but that's more implied than anything. I don't know. I don't think that's a, that's yeah. much of a thing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just, like, bugs and gruesome, like... Listen, I mean, <laughs> Ghostbusters was PG, and that had Dan Eckrod getting a, glo- a ghost blowy. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Uh, Duff, I know you have some notes here on the production background and kind of like the, this is not a movie that like this movie took a while to finally find this, its. I was not aware of the the long road to the mummy. <laughs> uh, so like most things on um, this season, um, this was spurred by the success of Dracula. Mm-hmm. And so they're looking for stuff to remake and they're like all right so what this is way back in 1992 and so they started you know looking at all the properties and they came up with the mummy and i think the main the people who mainly saw this through are the producers uh <laughs> james jacks that's a name yeah <laughs> and uh sean daniel so like these are the only constants so th- these guys what we get is i think what they wanted they wanted it to be kind of a indiana jones's adventure thing sure um but initially and they i think they've said i don't know how much but they knew that they would need a substantial budget for it um universal at the time they wanted to do a 12 to 15 million dollar horror movie so that's pretty cheap real cheap it's for a horror movie that's not bad I mean, I would say for the time, it is a decent budget, but not enough to make this. No, yeah, yeah, definitely not. Um, So the first thing that happened is uh, (laughs) Clive Barker was going to be the director. Mm. Boy, (laughs) Hellraiser. I would like to see that. Yeah, it was going to be very different from this. (laughs) Yeah. It would be... Barker's vision was violent with the story revolving around the head of a contemporary art museum who turns out to be a to be leading a cult trying <laughs> trying to reanimate mummies. That uh, sounds cool. Uh, the producer again, Jax, recalls that Barker's take was dark, sexual, and filled with mysticism. So just like everything he's done. <laughs> Have you guys any read? I've never read Clive Barker. I only, my only Clive Barker stuff is I've seen Hellraiser, which was a very meh movie from I've, the outside of the bone dragon i like the bone dragon i've i'm in the same boat i've seen hellraiser and i i love how things look but it yeah is, it is a plot wise is just a nonsense movie yeah yeah i was gonna rewatch hellraiser this weekend actually i think but i have seen it i just don't remember it very well the bone dragon owns uh i mean pinhead <laughs> looks cool and all yeah the, pinhead and looks and awesome all the cenobites look cool um so yeah so clive barker he you know production hell this goes through a lot of people um at one point uh joe dante was involved okay that would have been awesome it would have been even more awesome do you know who joe dante wanted uh to play the mummy i know the answer to this play the mummy Um, yep i'll let joe guess on this uh, is it i mean is it somebody that doesn't fit in with this you would be so excited about this joe uh (laughs) david bowie I don't know. No, but it is it's that vein. Daniel Day Lewis. <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> he would have I'm buried tra- himself alive for like three years. <laughs> he would have, they would have yelled cut and he's like, put me back in my sarcophagus. <laughs> uh so and no one knows how Egyptian sound like ancient Egyptian sounded, the language. <laughs> But Daniel Day-Lewis would have figured it out. He yeah. would have found out. He would have built a time machine <laughs> to find out. So now we have Joe Dante directing a Daniel Day-Lewis um, then we'd, mummy. And then, oh, God, that would have been so good. And then through the rest of the decade, you have uh, John Sayles was at one point involved to write. <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. John Sayles of Lone Star fame. Like, I was trying to think, what's the biggest John Sayles? I mean, he has a lot a, of, like, he's interesting an writing credits. Like, he pops up. Uh, credited and uncredited in some like surprising places but yeah it would have been different so uh, uh, guys uh, the creator of Tommy Stone Kevin Jarre 
of Tombstone, right? Oh, okay. He, he was writing. I think he wrote a draft. I think he might even still be credited. So he probably made a lot of money for that set, uh, writer's credit. Um, Wes Craven turned it down. At one point, George A. Romero was going to do it. Huh. So this thing just got passed around, and it's, it either fell apart or people quit. It's interesting that it it like kind of moved in and out of the hands of like straight horror genre directors. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think this is even a horror like. <laughs> It's a horror film in the loosest definition possible. Like it has Correct. a monster. Correct. Um, um, but it, it, the tone of it is even isn't remotely like a horror movie. I mean, yeah, like it's an action adventure, like Rob said. Yeah. So that um, would have been weird to see. So basically, uh, kind of in the same way that the reason Coppola got to make the movie he wanted was because there was a changing of the guard and everyone forgot about him. Yeah. Um, this was there was a. There was a big shift in leadership at Universal because a bunch of people got fired because Babe Pig in the City underperformed. Because <laughs> Babe Pig in the City, did you say? Sorry, I was adjusting. It, my it, it underperformed at the box. That's office. so funny. And so there was this changing of the guard. <laughs> Kids, and... sorry, there's no Christmas this year. <laughs> the Pig sequel didn't work out. Uh, and so the new people came in and they were more receptive to the idea they pitched seven years ago they're like oh we love the old mummy can we make it actiony uh and so that's how this movie took the long road to being made so Um, and then stephen summers who had directed the jungle book yes um the last thing i wanted to say about this movie's journey is uh i found a tidbit of the john sale of about john sale's script okay sounds pretty amazing too um, so this is an account. This is in an, an Entertainment Weekly article from 1999. I think this is. Uh, oh, this is Stephen Summers. Um, he said, "So I read John Sale's script, and you can tell someone at the studio probably said, hey, we want a contemporary mummy, because his script takes place in L.A. in the 80s.' <laughs> oh, what a missed opportunity! Uh, oh man, oh, I mean, listen, God. Blade. Blade does this in the 90s with with a vampire. He says." The mummy would be walking down Melrose Boulevard, just hanging out in Venice Beach. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, I don't. You can't compare it to Blade because, like, vampires, you could make that work. How do you make a mummy work? He says it wasn't bad. It just wasn't a mummy movie. Well, I mean, is a mummy movie. This is this is what I think. You you know, with mummies, is interesting. Is like. And they've been a part of our lives forever, right? Like I don't think <laughs> what a anyone weird remembers. Thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just that sentence. It's so weird. They've do been like, a part. Do you you mummy remember? remember? It sounded mum- like you were doing an ad. Mummies. <laughs> they've been a part of our lives forever. <laughs> Mummymath.fyi. How, how many of your relatives are in a sarcophagus up in Spooner? <laughs> well, no, what I mean, what do I we mean need is to search like the grounds of your childhood home. What I mean is, like, you don't remember, like, mummies have always been with us. We've always known about mummies. Everyone knows what a mummy is. Right? Like, from a young age. So what you mean is that we all have a youthful fascination with ancient Egypt and mummies. I see. I agree with you. Well, it could be that, but I mean, just even, even before that, like, I don't know. They're just, like, so much part of pop culture. But, however, if I were to be, like, name all the mummy things you know or seen, there's not many. Yeah. It's it's like there's a ton of vampire things. Yeah. Zombie stuff is everywhere. Yeah. You know, even like Frankenstein's monster type stuff you can think of. But like mummies are just a, that's, like that's a good point because how do you kill a mummy? I I didn't really. I still don't know, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, you grab they onto the, the loose bandage and you pull and they spin around. Do you just throw a bunch of water at them so they get weighed down like a wet paper towel? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're just like, it, it, yeah, we know mummies, we know Egypt, we know sarcophagus, but nothing else besides that. You know who would know? Who? Geraldo. Geraldo <laughs> would, would get to the bottom of it. The other thing is, uh, this movie obviously shows that uh, mummies have powers, but growing up, like, I, I think to your point, Rob, like, you could name, oh, vampires have these, can do this, or you know, a wolf man. Wolf kind of, werewolves, yeah. It's kind of self-explanatory. I mean, even like Frankenstein's monster, it's like, oh, he's really big. He could F you up. Yeah. Whereas like, even if like a mummy came in right now, it would just be some dude. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're like zombies, but like, 
I at least I know a zombie. If it bites me, I become a zombie. Yeah. Like what is what if a mummy gums me or whatever? Like, what, like, <laughs> like, what, what do they do? Until I watched this and I I revisited the uh, the Universal Mummy too. Like I was like, what do mummies do when they catch you? What do they want? <laughs> What's their deal? Yeah. It is also wild how much this um this the the, the plot in a lot of ways of the mummy is so much similar to Dracula with um with with like we have this prologue at the beginning we have someone trying to like get a re- like a replacement for their wife that they lost <laughs> replacement wife like they're yeah right i mean dracula has that too that's what this is too like oh this woman looks like her yeah it is you're right that is the same um Close so enough. they they were probably like at a loss too like what do we what do mummies do <laughs> what's the mummy thing like if mummy were in a fight game you would never choose them you're like i don't want to be well if they could do cool things with their bandages well, they can. Their jaw can drop about a foot and a half. Their bottom jaw can drop about a foot and a half lower than it was. And him turning <laughs> like people into human prunes is pretty cool. <laughs> prunes, it is cool. I mean, the way like as we say this, this movie does make the mummy look like a badass villain. Yeah, yeah, it's cool that he has like pieces of skin missing. Like, yeah, and when that bug crawls into his cheek and oh. then he chews on it. Yeah, I, will... I, I may maybe not giving that stuff enough credit. Uh, I will say though, just just the sight of a cat was enough to pro cat movie. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, again, like the mummy seems powerful. Cats. I do like cats. No, but I, I mean in Egypt they did. Why was he afraid of the cat? I didn't understand uh, that because he was buried underneath uh, an anibus. Maybe I don't know. That's just my guess. Maybe it's like a Superman and crypt- Kryptonite where, uh, <laughs> like. I forget was the thing. Or uh, cats probably love to play with mummy bandages. Oh, oh yeah, that's how you stop a mummy. The cats are playing with it, yeah. like a big scratching post. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did read that. Uh, I actually think this actually works for this movie. That uh, the the guy who played Imhotep, Arnold Vosloo, uh, his whole thing was he was like, "I'll do it," but I, I I'm playing it a hundred percent straight. Like there is. <laughs> Like this movie might be silly, but not to this mummy. <laughs> this mummy is doing everything he can, and I think that works to have this I, villain. That's... I think it works too. He plays it like the T one thousand. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of, focus. and all the while you have like Brendan Fraser, who like like we mentioned the cat, and he like he gets face to face with the mummy, and he's like ah, and he like holds up the cat. It's like everyone else is like it's a comic book. Yeah. Uh, and then there's there's that. The other line I really like, which I don't know why it makes me laugh so much in this movie, but um, it's it's when they're like starting to dig up the mummy, but right before that, and they're like having that. Uh, Evelyn and Rick are having that like late night like campfire when talk. they're drinking. Yeah, and he was like, "Yeah, a few of their dickers were melted." <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "What?" <laughs> the right response to that like yeah, yeah it's weird right anyways um anything else from the production standpoint of this i mean it was a long journey yeah but it was very successful i it had a budget of 60 million which was very big for the time um but it made uh domestically i think no. 80 million because I, I read that i read okay. that steven summers essentially was like all right well Here's like a my fifteen page treatment of it, and you're like, great. Here's eighty million. Yeah. Uh, so it cost eighty, but it made twice that domestically, internationally. It made another quarter million dollars. So, and then obviously it had uh, the sequel, which did a lot of business. Mm-hmm. I had totally forgotten that there was another. I mean, I knew there was the Scorpion King, but there was a third proper mummy movie in twenty in two thousand eight. Yes. Yeah. Which and. I, with Jet Li. <laughs> and and one of the, the few Tom Cruise movies I have not seen, The Mummy Reboot from a few years ago, which apparently is awful, and it seems like it goes kind of back to that, like, what if it was really serious and dark? Yeah. And it uh, that killed the new MonsterVerse. That's uh, Universal wanted to have a kind of a Marvel Cinematic Universe, but with their monsters, which makes perfect makes perfect sense <laughs> i mean cool. it, it sounds fun yeah well it's not it doesn't sound fun if they were all made with the quality of that mummy movie that's which, true yeah. but if they're all like kong skull island it would have been awesome yeah yeah 
that's a good example. Yeah. Um, the uh, the character I want to talk about for a second is I mentioned Benny. I can't think of this off the top of my head, but I love characters like this in movies that are like these like cowardly bad guy henchmen. Like because uh, I think Joe can can will probably agree with me. They remind me of like really good uh, bad guy wrestler managers. Yeah. Like they're just He's there's good. nothing good about them except that they weasel out of, into things all the time. And they're He's racist bu- like them too. He's a Bobby yeah. the Brain Heenan character. Yes, yes. He's like if our good friend Meeks was in a movie, who <laughs> 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 would sell us off any moment he could to move ahead. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Uh, it's just a fun character, and I, I, I'm, I can't think off the top of my head like other characters like that in other movies, but um, I just am a big fan of that, that weaselly, cowardly bad guy. Uh, the only person I can think of is uh, uh, Hoggle from Labyrinth, who basically like betrays everyone every chance he gets and then redeems himself at the end. Oh, sort of, uh, yeah. Gollum, too, I guess, to some extent. A little mm, different, but... Not as comical, but maybe. Yeah. I feel uh, like a I feel like a, a requirement for this type of character is to be funny. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta you gotta be there for the laughs. Um is there Duff, is there anything like you said you watched the original mummy. Is there anything like from the original mummy that carries over into this or like what what what, what, uh, what did your deep research on the mummies tell us? Uh, <laughs> um well, uh first of all I appreciated that the the mummy was seventy minutes. It was a a breezy, uh, breezy movie to get through. All those Universal ones are. They're they're mostly very short. Uh, yeah. Boris Karloff is great. Uh, the basic structure is, uh, kind of the same in that uh, a, Imhotep is, uh, sentenced to eternal death or being alive in a tomb, uh, because he, in the original. His uh, his lady friend is not attached to anyone else, but I but she dies, I believe. But uh, then he steals a scroll that has uh, magic spells in it, and the gods get mad. Then he was arrested because um, apparently there's this magic scroll that tells you how to save people from dying, but the gods okay. get mad if you use it, which is actually very in keeping with religion. So, I'll, <laughs> uh, so yeah. Uh, Karloff is Imhotep and he's sentenced to be buried alive essentially and then yeah uh, in the early 20th century uh, people again saying oh here's a here's a thing that specifically says it's a curse should we read it um, Imhotep comes back and he finds a lady who looked like his old lady and sets about getting a replacement woman okay another replacement woman in these movies yep um so, I wanted to ask you he, guys. He, he his powers are not as grand as Imhotep in the Stephen Summers version. Yeah. Mainly, he has mind control. Like he can control what you do. Oh, that's pretty useful. Yeah, I mean, still impressive. Just he can't summon locusts and things like that. All right. Well, speaking of summoning locusts, I want to talk about the ten plagues. I'm going to tell you guys the ten plagues. I want you to tell me which one. I think we're all going to say the same one. I'm going to, I'm going to, you, you want you to tell me which one you think is the worst one and which one do you think you're like, I could handle that. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, plague of blood. So essentially waters return to blood. Plague of frogs. All these frogs just like come into the land and then die. It's magnolia. <laughs> uh, plague of lice. Ugh. Uh, plague of flies. So, you know, swarm of disease carrying flies. Um, a plague of beasts of burden and livestock. So all your livestock, you know, die. Plague of boils and sores. Um, so anyone who you just start having painful boils and sores everywhere. Plague of hail and fire, which we saw <laughs> that. Plague of locusts. I mean, there, listen, this is too many plagues, if we're being honest. Um, plague of locusts. So, you know, locusts come and devour all the crops and plants. Plague of darkness. So three days of darkness. 
Uh, and I think this is clearly the worst one, but I, you know, that's the parent in me. The Plague of the Firstborn Son. Yeah. Uh, where all firstborn sons in the household would be killed by a force not of Earth. So, uh, you're the only person with a child, but I, for intents and purposes, I, I think uh, the firstborn child being murdered is the only one of these you can't just wait out. Yeah. I mean, so Al- also, how far does it go? Like, Joe, do you die? Oh, I don't think I should. Well, I think aren't we you should a firstborn son. Does it revert back? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, um, I think. I mean, some of these look three days of darkness. Pff, basement boy. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. an easy, easy one. That's no easy. We've gone through. That's I don't just know. a Wisconsin winter. Yeah, yeah. We we've gone through like uh, seven months of not going anywhere. That's yeah, not I, one of these. I've but easily gone three days without seeing the sun during the winter, yeah. just from not having windows at work yeah yeah i think that one we all agree that's the easiest oh, one yeah. uh which one non-firstborn son would you be least like to deal with either from a personal level or quite frankly a financial level <laughs> i mean what is it uh the fire rain or whatever uh, yeah the rain of hail and fire yeah i don't really see how we come back from that <laughs> like i don't i would guess there's no homeowner's clause about uh, hail oh, fire that has act uh, yeah. of god written all over it excuse me are the 10 plagues part of the act of god or not on yeah. my homeowner insurance um i've never gotten the one about so it's water turns to blood does that yeah. mean there's no water anywhere yeah so you, like the rivers turn to blood so and I, now you I, can't drink water how long does it last um i'm basing all of this off of my of Ten Commandments, by the way. I'm just thinking of <laughs> what happens in that movie. I don't know how long these last. The only one I know for sure is. I think that's a big point. Like, is the hail and fire like 20 minutes? Well, or I, is it like 20 days of hail and fire? I'm trying to remember. I, I, don't know, I the thought part of that makes me think it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, of these, it's probably right in the middle. Um, you know. Lice sound gross, but I can just shave my head or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think lice we could deal with. Um, yeah. Boils and sores would be a tough one, I'll be honest. I'm not a fan of that. No, but if I, I if I had like to, I'd you know, if it was that or the, the fire rain, um, I might take the source. All right. So we're seeing Plague of Hail and Fire is probably the one we want to handle the least outside yeah. of the Firstborn Sons. Yeah. And, like, with some of these, it's just like, oh, just don't go outside. Like, bunch of frogs yeah. on the ground like uh, if i just stay in my house for a week the raccoons will eat the frogs in my yard <laughs> <laughs> that'd be a hell of a thing to look out your window and just like i think the honey i think the frogs are almost all gone now <laughs> <laughs> but now there's a bunch of raccoons outside <laughs> uh yeah yeah all right uh duff we have this in your notes here i think we need to ask this question and i i, I uh is this movie racist yeah. I mean, to a, to an extent it is, but even after I'm like, so that was racist, but not super racist? I thought I felt too. Like, that's just like good old-fashioned, we weren't thoughtful racism. Yeah. Well, there's one moment. What's what's the bad cowardly guy's name again? Uh, Benny? Benny, yeah. Uh, Benny. Him, him doing all the different voices to try to get the mummy to stay away from him, including the Asian voice when he's trying to do the Buddhist prayer. That's true. Pretty racist. I will, I, I will say though, it's kind of a funny bit to do to appeal to different gods. I'll yes, do. but he didn't have to do. He didn't have to do the, the voice. voice. No. Um, also, like, <laughs> my wife and I are both like, "What race is Benny supposed to be?" Because it, it's played by a white guy, who, which means it could be Jewish, but he's kind of in that like Alfred Molina area of like. Well, here's what I can look up, guys. Are you aware of? <laughs> Do you guys want to know what the mummy wiki is called? Uh, what is it? Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we need to look up Benny here. Um, see if it says he's a former French foreign legionnaire. Oh, oh. yeah, he does kind of have a French accent. I thought he was supposed to be a Middle Easterner. I thought Mm-mm. that he was supposed to be like uh, Sala in uh, Rare's His the Lost Ark. Nationality is Hungarian. <laughs> the character. <laughs> That's what it said on the on the Wikipedia. 
okay. Hungarian. This is a weird character. <laughs> I know. I love um, him. <laughs> th- one, the other thing I wanted to say about Benny, Benny gets tossed around a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Benny, Benny takes some knocks. Yeah. He's on the wrong side of the river, man. Um, yeah, I, I, my answer to your question is yes, but not in a way that, like, part of me is like, if you're like, listen, there's a late 90s movie where a Hollywood <laughs> studio tried making a movie about the mummy, I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> and then I watched it, I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of what I thought it would be. I mean, it could have been Michael Bay racist. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was racist, but not racist enough that I couldn't enjoy myself, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's kind of where I fall in it, too. Like, like if it, someone's like... Someone who knew more than I did was like, these are examples that it was. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's so I, I believe you. I will say, um, I think all of us are fans of at least half of the Indiana Jones movies. Yeah. And I don't think this movie is any more or less racist than those, than the, the good two. It's, you're, cer- it's certainly less racist than Temple of Doom. You're probably right. I mean, I, I, both for this movie and, and, and those movies, I never like, oh, isn't that cool to see what it was, was really like? <laughs> like, in these areas, it's just like, you know, like, Egypt in, in isn't, like, it's not, like, I don't watch this movie thinking, like, that's what Egypt's really like. It's like, it's cartoon Egypt. Yeah. And there's also, like, a lot of unknowable things about ancient Egyptian history like they're racially speaking I, I i don't know when this was like a couple weeks ago everyone was like mad about uh what's her name getting the role of cleopatra oh uh gal, gal Gadot Gadot. or whatever and everyone because she you know so it should be a person of color and it's like well we don't really have any knowledge of whether cleopatra was a person of color like like the theory is she was like half greek <laughs> So, hmm. like, a lot of, uh, I think, and I'm no expert, but that's not going to stop me from sharing an opinion. <laughs> like, I, I think that it, it seems like there's a lot of unknowable stuff about certain elements of ancient Egyptian history. I will say that they do darken Rachel Weisz up a little bit <laughs> to make her half Egyptian. Hmm. And uh, it's a, it was a little distracting for me, and I definitely think if they did that now, that would be hmm. a huge story. But... Uh, well, let me check the Wikipedia <laughs> for Evelyn uh, Evelyn O'Connell. Oh, I, well, she I said they said in the movie she's half Egyptian. Half yep, white. half English, half Egyptian. Yep, you are correct. Uh, um, but she's a librarian. I mean, she's the exposition character. Yes, <laughs> but she's a delight. Yeah, I like I like her in it. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Um, oh, uh, Gal Gadot is. Number one, I think she's Israeli, isn't she? Which is mm-hmm. Middle Eastern. Closer than Elizabeth Taylor was to you being stole, Cleopatra. You stole my point. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I should have known there was. Yeah. it was going to end with Liz Taylor with you. Yeah, so uh, I think that's fully acceptable and miles above that choice. <laughs> <laughs> um, or, or whatever ethnicity of the week ScarJo is going to play. <laughs> Uh, do we want to talk about Rick O'Connell, the Brendan Fraser character? I'd, I'd like to talk about Brendan Fraser. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I'd, yeah. Well, I, my point was going to be that he it forms an interesting bridge between like the '80s and '90s style of action hero and like the post um, Joss Whedon action hero. In that he isn't gone into like kind of full wisecrack mode in the movie, but is like has one toe dipped in it. And, mm-hmm. I, and yes. as I was watching, I couldn't stop thinking about how like this is sort of like the turning point, right? So 10 years earlier than this, he would have been even a little bit more serious with some maybe Arnold one liners, which he does have in this movie, but he, he's smirking a little bit more and he's oh, like a sure. little bit more relatable to the everyman. And then, like, uh, that weird little pervert, Joss Whedon, starts making movies soon after this. And, like, then it, like, goes fully over to the other side of it. So, like, you get, like, the the uh, characters saying stuff like, uh, is this happening? Yeah, I think this is happening. So, you know, like, all those stupid little quips from 
10 years ago that still haven't totally fallen out of fashion, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And I think he just is sort of like the crest, the, the bottom point of the pendulum swinging towards that direction. And I will, will say, I think this is the last example that I can think of of, a, of the joke of like what I say, uh, yeah. like being in a movie, which seemed like something that was in every movie of this type up until the mummy came out, but you don't really hear it anymore. You know what I'm talking about? When he's like having a bonehead conversation with a woman and she gets mad. What'd I say? What'd I say? I feel like I've seen that 8,000 times in movies like this, but this move, this is a very sincere unironic movie to almost to the point where like at the end I keep waiting. I'm like, Oh, when's the, the meta thing coming? Like, like, yeah, it's, and that's not the movie's fault. It's just, like Joe said, the last 10 to 15 years have been so full of that referential wink, wink, you know, I guess it's super postmodern style of dialogue for heroes, superheroes, whatever, that to like have it so straightforward is almost jarring. Yeah. I'm ready for it to swing back to that. Yeah. I mean, it will, right? I mean, I mean, those, those Jumanji movies, I, they do a little. It, they're by nature kind of meta, but I think they are swinging in that direction. They're they're very sincere, which is interesting because this is like a very comic booky movie in a lot of ways. But it's you're right; it's not it's not referencing itself at all. I mean, there are like I, as we mentioned, like the bad guy is in one kind of movie, and everyone else is in a kind of a different kind of movie. But that that works out fine because he's a bad guy. Yeah. It's kind of the way it should work out. In a, um, in a lot of ways, I feel like this movie almost should have bombed because, you know, the big turning point in movies that happened at this time was The Matrix. I mean, this was uh, kind of the beginning of what uh, I think it's been referred to as grimdark, uh, hmm. which is where, I mean, it, you know, the gag is the gritty reboot, but it's kind of yeah. that aesthetic where The Matrix... There ain't a lot of jokes. It is very serious. It is very dark, and everything's depressing all the time. And then you, that was cemented. Um, and I mean, nine eleven, just the general mood after that had a big effect as well. But then the Batman movies really cemented as oh, everything's gotta be dark and moody. Yeah, it, it and and it's weird because I was thinking the Matrix may have came out after the Mummy. I know they're both in ninety nine, but. The Matrix I mean, is a couple months earlier, too. And this was the time when movies would in, be in theaters for six months. So if you were a hit, I mean, you could have seen this and The Matrix at the same time easily. Yeah. I yeah. Th- I mean, yeah. There, this, this, The Matrix, and Star Wars would have all been in the theater at the same time. Mm-hmm. Another which is in- pretty inter- wild. An interesting thing about Rick is that he's actually like good at what he does. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. So like the whole beginning of the the movie is like him in that battle scene, and he, he's just like to a comical level, like incredible with guns and uh, it's so fun and off the yeah. charts bravery. And that's another th- way that this movie, uh, like it's it's I don't want to I'm not going to say takes itself seriously, but isn't self referential and isn't winking the whole time because heroes like Brendan Fraser's character now would be more like that doofus Chris Pratt's like characters where they're like sort of screwing up all the time. And they're like, to some extent, very masculine, but also have to like appeal to nerds. So they have to like make jokes and be self-deprecating and stuff like that. I think that now it's uh, to kind of use some, uh, I'm, I'm like half joking when I use these terms, but I think now you see a lot of beta characters pretending to be alphas, whereas Brendan Fraser's character is so alpha that he isn't a dick about it. Like he he doesn't have anything to prove. He's like, yeah, I'm pretty good at shooting people. He's he's the star quarterback on the football team, but he's a nice guy. Yeah, except when he forces <laughs> kisses on characters and stuff like that. But what's that? Except when he like forces kisses on. Uh, people without their consent. Yeah, like but that's Different another times, product Joe. of the age. <laughs> yeah, but even even that, like he sort of, I don't know. I, I think, mean, I agree. I think he does that, actually that apologize is... for it later, which I mean, is more than movies usually do. He, yeah, he had gone fairly mad in that prison, but yes, not cool. Yeah, and I, I, I didn't. I'm not meaning to like it, but I, yeah, I agree that 
yeah, he's a he's a he's a he's definitely an alpha, and the movie doesn't seem to feel like it needs to deflate that. Mm-hmm. And I'm so like it, it's just an interesting like end of an age of the way masculinity is depicted on screen. And I'm not saying that it's good or bad. Like I mean, like masculine characters should be viewed like portrayed in a more complex way than his is on the one hand but the other hand i just think like it it's uh like the winking and and the and the joss whedonism stuff it really is annoying me a lot and has been for a while so i I kind of that's one thing i did like about this movie is it mostly ditches that stuff i think i think the big thing is can we just like not have masculinity shown only one way and that's sort of what happens is it's changing right like the sort of you know how these heroes are are shown as change but like it's not broadened it's just like it's now this now instead of what it used to be that's why it's kind of interesting and another reason why the john wick movies are so good is that he doesn't want to fight you man but he just loves his dead wife and his dog so much and you can only push a dude so far yeah whereas like you know and then on the other hand you have fast and furious movies which are listen i love them and they're stupid glory but they're just a bunch of dudes having pissing contests the entire time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, do you guys have anything else? I mean, I guess the other thing is, you know, we sort of talked about this, but there's not, I mean, if you were to ask me what my favorite mummy movie is, I would say this one, but I mostly because <laughs> I don't know what else I would say. Yeah, there's, we'd have to, bro- I'd say we'd have to broaden it to be like just undead. <laughs> yeah, but like, I feel like zombie stuff is just so different. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, it's it pretty much it has to have mummy in the title and there's not a lot of there's not even a lot of famous ones. Usually you just think it's like, oh, then there's this remake. Well, there's Abbott and Costello meet the mummy. <laughs> there's all those and there's all those Hammer movies that I I don't even think I've I may have seen the first mummy movie that Hammer Studios remade and I I think Christopher Lee is the mummy in that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, guys, do you have anything else you want to talk about regarding um, The Mummy? I hope Brendan Fraser kind of comes back. It seems like he's doing more TV stuff now. Yeah, I I, I do too. I do too. Joe, I mean, he's... Joe sent us an article, which I'd read, but I forgot about. Uh, it was from 2018, talking about yeah. Brendan Fraser and how that dude... Well, in in two different ways, but he had a rough decade, literally. Like he, his body was broken. Yeah, yeah. He had, like his spinal, uh, his spine was out of whack, and his muscles were all torn. And he paid for all these action movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you don't really think about that much, but um, I have a lot of affection for him. Oh, uh, he's. He I like has, him a lot. He has a sweetness to him. Um, um, he's very likable. I think uh, I was trying to, you know, we kind of did this last time. I was trying to think, like, what happened to him? And um, I don't know if which way the pendulum has swung on the show Scrubs, but I think there was more good than bad on Scrubs. And Brendan Fraser actually had a – he had, like, an arc on that show. Like oh, really? A guest-starring arc, and he was really good. Like, he got to be funny and dramatic. and But that even that, that was, God, like, 15 years ago. Yeah, that's quite a while ago. So – yeah, and, and the other thing is that uh, Brendan Fraser is the, the one of the most high-profile cases of a, a man who was sexually assaulted by a Hollywood exec. Yeah, yeah, I had no idea about that till I read that profile. Um, I think it was like 2013 or something like that, and he said that that partially, I mean, again, he his body had taken a toll, but it, it kind of derailed his career. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's he's definitely like I said, rewatching this. It was like, God, he is so charismatic in this. It really works. And he seems you know? like a good dude in real life. Yeah, sometimes you sort of catch lightning with like a an actor, and he's just like he's like he's a great leading man for for a movie like this, especially. Um, well, we've wrapped up a monster rehash, guys. We we we've kind of gone everywhere. We've served Dracula, and then all three of these movies we've talked about, even though there's you know. Um, almost a decade between them, all tied back to Bram Stoker's Dracula. Studios uh, saw a hit and just started pumping them out. 
And then they ended up with a hit, and then this was sort of done. <laughs> like, yeah. they were like, well, we already did all the monsters. Well, uh, listeners, uh, we have a, a, a fifth episode on our Patreon feed of Interview with the Vampire with friend of the show, Claire. You can go to patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys. And we are, uh, we are running a little, a little contest. Let's see, this is coming out on, uh, 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 let me think. This is coming out uh, in mid to late November. So you have about a week, a uh, week or two to sign up for our patreon and anyone even if you already are a member let me be clear if you already are paying money as a patreon you're automatically entered into this lottery you don't have to do anything else so anyone who's already doing it plus anyone who signs up since then we'll all look at essentially everyone who's a patron and we'll randomly choose one person and then that person will get to pick the next movie we do for on our paid feed which will be our december movie so um should be fun I'm looking forward to it. I'm kind of curious to see who wins. And uh, uh, let's, let's wait to see what movie is. Yeah, it better be picked. fun. Yeah, That's true. It better be fun. I hope it's fun. <laughs> if it's not fun, I don't know if we'll be doing it next year. <laughs> Watch. It's going to be like Grave of the Fireflies or something. I mean, that's a great movie, but I don't really <laughs> want to talk about Grave of the Fireflies. <laughs> um, and uh, we're going to take, I don't know, a pretty short break. Um, and then we'll be back with a new season of a free podcast. We're not going anywhere. We can't. We'll get sick. <laughs> That's right. We're not. Go- we're still sitting here in our basements, not seeing the sun for three days. Um, all right. Well, guys, it's been wonderful talking monsters with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. All right. <laughs>